With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, a joint podcast from The China Project and Caixin Global. We bring you the most critical business and finance news from China. I'm Kaiser Guo from The Seneca Podcast, part of The China Project. On this week's episode, a wandering Chinese balloon unnerves the U.S., Baidu promises AI-powered chatbot Ernie, and NFTs and the metaverse get a virtual cold shoulder in Beijing. Let's jump right into it. Over the past week, the shooting down of a Chinese balloon that had drifted into U.S. airspace has aggravated already fragile relations between the two countries. Washington has said the aircraft was a spy balloon, while Beijing has stipulated that it was a civilian airship used mainly for meteorological research. The high-altitude balloon floated over nuclear sites in Montana and drifted across the country until it was eventually shot down on February 4th over the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of South Carolina. China called the move a clear overreaction. The balloon and its explosive demise gripped the world's attention and forced U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken to postpone a planned trip to Beijing. China fired the head of the China Meteorological Administration on February 3rd, though the reason was not stated. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Mao Ning said on Monday that the airship had deviated from its planned course, which was an unexpected incident. She said that the two sides should work together to avoid misunderstanding, miscalculation, and damaging mutual trust. The incident underscores the delicate state of affairs between China and the U.S., it remains to be seen whether the incident could derail the progress of talks on technology and trade between the world's two biggest economies. Meanwhile, a second balloon was spotted over Latin America and the Caribbean. Beijing on Monday confirmed the unmanned airship belonged to China and said, again, it was for civilian purposes and was also blown off course. Moving on to something else that's getting a lot of hype. ChatGPT, an AI-powered chatbot that has sparked competition from Chinese companies. Since its debut in November, OpenAI's ChatGPT has wowed millions with its ability to provide realistic answers to questions. It can even write prose and poetry that is hard to distinguish from human efforts. Chinese search engine giant and AI developer Baidu is preparing to launch its own version in March. The chatbot is undergoing final tests, the company said. 
News of Baidu's initiative comes as shares of some of China's AI firms have more than doubled in the past month, rallying as investors bet on the emergence of Chinese alternatives to ChatGPT. The share prices of AI firms Cloudwalk Technology and Beijing Haitian Risheng have doubled and tripled, respectively, this year. But sharp fluctuations prompted questions from the Shanghai Stock Exchange. The two companies were quick to clarify that their business is unrelated to ChatGPT and OpenAI. Regardless, such AI tools have touched off a debate about the application of the technology in education, business, and in the home. And of course, whether it will replace us at work. By the way, this script was not written with ChatGPT or with Ernie. Moving on from one tech frenzy to another, let's talk about NFTs and the metaverse and how they're facing increasing scrutiny from Chinese authorities. The capital city's market regulator has warned the public to steer clear of firms promising big returns with little risk from investments in the name of the metaverse or NFTs, short for non-fungible tokens. In an announcement Tuesday, the Beijing Municipal Administration for Market Regulation said firms making such promises are typically fraudulent or engaged in illegal fundraising, and investors suckered by them will end up losing their money. The latest warning comes less than two years after China outlawed cryptocurrency trading and mining. Officials were seeking to stamp out rampant speculative investment in digital currencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. NFTs and the metaverse are just the latest hot areas in a long line of high-risk investments that have come and gone in China. Moving on to some bad news for China's automotive sector. Some dealerships in WM Motors' network have halted operations due to supply chain disruptions, casting a shadow over the money-losing EV startup. Caixin visited four WM dealerships in several of Beijing's districts last week, only to find all were closed. Such dealerships are typically privately owned and operated, and so each owner decides on the shop's operations, which could include temporary or even permanent closures to control costs. When contacted by Caixin, WM said dealership shutdowns were common throughout the industry, especially as many of their EV suppliers grappled with strains in their own supply chains during the COVID-19 pandemic. Tesla and many other EV startups have used direct sales networks to keep their pricing more transparent and uniform. But WM switched to a traditional dealership model in 2020 as part of its efforts to boost sales. The move led to explosive growth in the number of sales outlets, but also put huge pressure on its prices due to competition between the dealerships. The closures could deal a fresh blow to the Shanghai-based firm, which is exploring a backdoor listing in Hong Kong using a company backed by billionaire Li Ka-shing. And on to Mei Tuan's hiring drive, which has not been well received by investors. To fend off a challenge from ByteDance, food delivery giant Meituan unveiled plans to hire as many as 10,000 people on the Chinese mainland this quarter. The campaign is intended to catch an upswing in consumer consumption, Meituan said. The push coincides with ByteDance's expanding efforts to get into a delivery arena that Meituan and Ulama dominate, but it contrasts with layoffs rocking the tech industry. ByteDance's Douyin 
TikTok's cousin in China, is becoming ubiquitous in the country, much like Tencent's super app WeChat. Apart from providing short clips and live streams, Douyin is testing a grocery and food delivery service in Beijing, Shanghai, and Chengdu, and could expand to more cities in the future. This could reduce Meituan's influence over the sector. The imminent head-to-head competition has Meituan shareholders worried. On Wednesday, following the hiring announcement, Meituan stock dived the most in two months. Let's turn now to Caixin Global reporter and co-producer of this podcast, Kelsey Chung, for a deep dive into one of this week's most important stories. Kelsey, great to see you again. Hello, Kaiser. It's great to be back. So, Kelsey, all eyes are now on what lies ahead for Alibaba and Ant Group now that Chinese billionaire Jack Ma is slowly moving out of the picture. And we're here today to talk about Ant specifically. As we're all aware, the fintech company was plunged into an extensive restructuring following a startling suspension of its would-be record-setting, I guess it was a $34.5 billion IPO uh, that was slated originally for late 2020. So, Kelsey, could you tell us what did the restructuring actually involve? For sure, Kaiser. Ant's business, operations, and management all went through tremendous changes. These included decoupling the company's highly lucrative consumer lending business from its payment service Alipay and improving its corporate governance. It's also gone great lengths to sever ties with Alibaba, which removed all Ant executives from its partnership of owners. Alibaba has also terminated a 50-year data-sharing agreement with the fintech company. And in the latest decoupling move, Ma has decided to give up his controlling rights of Ant. And just for our listeners' information, Alibaba owns 33% of Ant. So are regulators satisfied, more or less? Yes, they're finally happy with most of what they see. Guo Shuqing, who is the Central Bank Communist Party chief, said last month the rectification of the financial businesses of 14 internet platform companies, which includes Ant, was basically complete, signifying an end to the government's crackdown on the fintech sector. So finally, some some good news for Ant then. Uh, Can everyone just move on now? Well, market participants are still curious about some outstanding issues. I knew it. And uh, what what are they? Well, people are wondering whether Ant will revive its IPO plans and how it will go about getting licensed as a financial holding company, one of the last items on its restructuring to-do list. So with Ma's relinquishing of control over Ant, will the company move forward then with its IPO? Well, it's a matter of whether the company can rather than will. As you mentioned, Ma giving up control does clear the way for it to revive its IPO in China, but it's highly likely not happening within this year due to listing rules. The Shanghai and Shenzhen Stock Exchange's main boards require companies to wait three years before going public if they have undergone a change in their actual controller. The Hong Kong Stock Exchange requires a one-year wait. While that period is two years for Shanghai's Nasdaq-style star market, sources close to Ant told Caixin that the company probably won't be allowed to list on the board. That's because revised rules in 2021 bar financial companies from listing there. And of course, finance makes up a large share of Ant's businesses. I see. What about their plans for applying for a financial holding company license? Yes, regulators ordered Ant to apply for a financial holding company license after its IPO was suspended. The initial plan was for Ant to transform its entirety into a financial holding company 
that would contain all of its institutions engaging in financial activities. However, in an attempt to seek a higher valuation, the company later changed the plan. It proposed dividing its key operations into four main areas, which are finance, internet, technology, and overseas, with only the finance unit applying for the license. Meanwhile, separating its finance business would make it possible for its other businesses to be listed, which would help and rebuild its valuation. So, are regulators okay now with the the new proposal? Unfortunately, no. Despite the benefits for Ant, regulators have not been keen because they already see the company as a finance spin-off of Alibaba. They are unlikely to approve a financial holding company that's essentially a financial spin-off of Ant. That's according to people familiar with the matter. They said Ant had negotiated the issue with the central bank for more than a year, but the central bank hasn't budged on its stance for Ant as a whole to become a financial holding company. One source said Ant has already come to terms. With there being no maneuver room, I see. So quite a few question marks left for Ant then. That's right, and one of them, according to one investor, is for CEO Eric Jing to find new sources of growth for Ant in the post Jack Ma era. And right, they are. So thanks, Kelsey, for all of that information. My pleasure, Kaiser. Thank you for having me. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Taishin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo. And by Kelsey Chung, Lin Jinbing, Zizan Wang, and Jonathan Breen at Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts on the Syndicate Network, like the amazing China in Africa podcast and China Stories. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to Access from the China Project. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.